I'm your host, David Frost. This is my strategic forecast where you get common sense market analysis. Today is Tuesday, August 4, 2020. We're looking at a daily chart of the SPY or Spider, which is the proxy for the S&P 500. Let's set the table. What do we have on the docket today? The trend is up. The trend is your friend until it's not. That's the first thing that jumps off the chart when we look at the daily chart. Moving averages are headed up. You see a horizontal line. It's at the gap. 333.48 is the number. That is the target. We don't know that they will get there for sure, but it is the target. We're going with the duck says, and what's the duck? If it walks like a duck and talks like a duck, it's going to be a duck. The duck says under normal garden variety conditions, they're going to run up and fill the gap. They may go higher, but the gap will be filled. How they do it and what trick, trap, fool, and frustrate crew does along the way and how they shake traders out along the way. Remember, it's their job to make as many traders and investors look like fools as possible as much of the time. So how they do it and how they shake traders out along the way is a whole nother story. They may just gap right up there on Wednesday morning. They may take another day to do it. But under normal garden variety conditions from here, minus or absent a black swan event, they're going to fill the gap. Let's use logic for a second. This really has nothing to do with the market. It's not technical analysis. We're just talking about common sense logic, at least the way I look at things. Are they doing this? Are they creeping higher all this time, riding the moving averages, really in what looks to be more of a parallel fashion? Are they doing all this for all this time for weeks to miss the gap? And the answer is they may be doing this all this time to go higher than the gap, but they're not doing this all this time to come up short of the gap and fall away. That may happen, but that would be in the 20% camp of the 80-20 rule. It's unlikely at this point that they don't hit the gap. Was it likely or unlikely that they would have gotten to the big fat round number? What's the big fat round number? 3,300 in the ES contract and 330 in the SPY. It is, by definition, a big fat round number. And the answer is, it was likely they were going to get to the big fat round number. We've been talking about it for a couple of days. It wasn't a matter of if, it was more a matter of how and when they were going to hit the big fat round number. They did it today right into the closing bell during an end-of-the-day jam session. That's what it looks like on a five-minute chart all the way to your right, 3.30 on the button into the closing bell. The high of day happens to be 3.30.06, closing, interestingly enough, above the big fat round number by three pennies, 3.30.03. And when you drill down to a one-minute chart, this is how it looks like into the closing bell. Just seven minutes earlier, it looks like they're not going to do it. Seven minutes earlier, they're all the way down here. And then they start higher and then into the closing bell. Magnetic as it is, she pulls the market in. Who is she? The big fat round number. And don't misunderstand. I'm not calling her fat. That would be suicide. I'm saying she is a big fat round number. Know thy numbers. 
Let's have a different discussion using a five-minute chart. Everything to the right, and you know this, is today's activity. Right of what? Right of the vertical line. On a five-minute chart, it looks like there was some market activity today. We go up, they come back down later for an afternoon shakeout, up into the end of the day. It still, all in all, was a rather narrow ranging day from high to low. However, on a five-minute chart, it looks like there was some movement. But we have to look at the market from a multitude of perspectives. Now, there's a method to the madness because we're going to talk about if you think the market's going to get to a specific target. However, they go up, they go down, they don't necessarily go there in a straight line. How do you trade for a specific target yet stay in while they run their shakeout operations? Pretty good question, isn't it? Let's view the market from a different perspective and then we'll tie how you approach the situation after the fact. Here's an hourly chart. So inside the numbers members saw this again today. They saw it yesterday as a reminder of what the market was actually doing. What the market was actually doing was eating time off the clock, building energy for an ensuing move higher. So that's what may have begun at the closing bell today. So let's talk for a second about what is that up there? So we like to call that a bullish, flaggish type of pattern. Let's just talk about the flag for a second. So up here is a range. It's a channel. In the channel, the market goes up and the market goes down. Top of channel, bottom of channel. Top of channel, bottom of channel. That's all they're doing is working the channel, eating time off the clock. That's it. Back to the five-minute chart. Traders that are only focused in the short term and they start to see this in the afternoon, they think the market's going to collapse. They think that the sell-off has begun and they start hopping on the short side. Not all traders, but there are plenty out there that do this on a regular basis. They lose sight or they never had sight of this fact. When you look at the longer picture, the bigger picture, the longer term chart, that all they were doing was going back and forth in a channel. Here's a 120-minute chart. Same channel. It's a bullish, flaggish type of situation. All they're doing is going up and down within the channel. In order to create the channel, they have to go up and down. That's the point. Traders, many traders I should say, don't necessarily think of things that in order for the market to do certain things, it has to do other things you may not like in order to do the thing that creates the environment to do the other thing, which is higher prices, that you're ultimately looking for. What's that in English? In order for the market to eat time off the clock and create a bull flag type of situation, it has to go back and forth in that flag, in that channel, to do it. While it's going down, if you're playing on the long side for the move higher, you don't like to see it going down, but if you recognize that all it's really doing is creating the thing that creates the environment to make the move, then you have a different outlook, you have a different philosophy or different understanding of what's actually going on. In that scenario, you know that below the low of day, and whether we're talking about yesterday's low or today's low, they're pennies apart, below that and you start closing below that, that's trouble. It opens the door for the gap left open from Friday and these moving averages or at least the 20 period moving average. However, as long as you don't breach the low, the low of yesterday and today on a closing basis, 
All they're doing is two things. A, running a test. B, creating said channel. And by default, there's your answer. How you trade for the higher prices is A, buy the lower portion of the channel and stay in the trade until and unless they breach on a closing basis, whether it's short-term candles or hourly closes that I prefer, whether they breach the low of the channel. Other than that, you stay in the trade waiting for the flag to actually break up to create the ensuing move in the northern direction. Sounds easy on the surface, but it's not. By the way, one more thing as a reminder. Go back to last night's video, Monday's video, and recall what we discussed was one of the hypothetical scenarios for Tuesday morning. What's a hypothetical situation? A hypothetical is a situation that might happen. We don't know that it will happen, but understand this. When I bring stuff like that up and I create a hypothetical situation, what I'm really telling you is, I've seen this, I've read this book before, understand that there's a probability, and who knows what the percentage is, some probability that this is going to take place tomorrow morning. That's kind of what I was saying yesterday, but I can't come out and say, I know this is going to happen, because that's bullshit. I don't know it's going to happen. Nobody knows anything's going to happen. I suspect it was going to happen. It had a probability. How much of a probability? I don't know. Throw a dart. Nobody can know what the probabilities actually are. When somebody tells you, hey, the probabilities of this happening are 67.2%, where did they get that from? They made it up. What exactly am I talking about? In last night's video, we said early morning, don't be surprised if you see a little bit of a shakeout. It's turnaround Tuesday. We saw a little bit of a dip. They never breached the low of yesterday, and then they also, therefore, never opened the door to fill the gap left open from Friday. So therefore, now we have a two-day bull flag pattern working into the close. They start to break to the upside. We'll see if we'll get the follow-through tomorrow. The big fat round number was the objective near-term. The longer-term objective for now is the gap. And by the way, remember, the second part of that discussion from Monday's video was, and then by about 10.30 in the morning, they'll be popping back up right where they came from. And here we go, 10.15 in the morning, popping right back up where they came from. The moves were small, but the concept holds true. Sometimes the moves are bigger, sometimes the moves are smaller, but the concept and how the market works is what's important. We can't control how much the market is going to move on any given day. Inside the numbers, pre-market commentary, turnaround Tuesday, we just talked about this stuff. You can read the notes, pause the video, start and stop it anytime you like. But we were prepared for the early shakeout from the night before. We know about turnaround Tuesday. Market turned around from Monday and then halfway through Tuesday, turned around from Tuesday morning. So early on, this is before the opening bell, we're already positioning for where the objective is on the downside. We don't know that they're going to get there, but if they do, for example, here's 32.74, that's an area that we're eyeballing. Everything pre-market is all about the layout. You don't know exactly or at all what's going to happen right at the opening bell, right after the opening bell. So you come prepared. You show up in uniform with your gear for either direction, moving right along. Now you'll see here 948, the north gap at 328.78 isn't the same resistance as it was when they made the first attempt. If you read the earlier notes, they were going to make a first attempt once they make an attempt, which on the first attempt, we're expecting a reaction. 
after the first attempt, it's not the same trade. That goes for stocks on the move. That goes for the spider trades. That goes for anything as it relates to the markets. That's the way the market works. There's your 328.78. You get a reaction, a little bit of a spike through, then a reaction. Again, the range was small, but we're going on the mechanics, moving right along. I urge you to read the notes, go back to the charts, see what happened. And this is for the folks that are A, active in the market during the trading day, want to be active in the market during the trading day. If you fall into anything that sniffs those two camps, then this information is certainly helpful if you understand how to read it, study it. You can use it to your advantage every single day. Look at the 1011 post. The next area of resistance, this is after they get through one, we cite another 329.25. There's your 329.25. This is no joke, folks. The numbers work. If you know your numbers, you're worlds ahead of most everybody else moving right along again just pause the video read the notes go back to the charts double check my work and you know what happens as we get into the late morning session early afternoon lunchtime the market quiets down doesn't move a lot gets into a chop shop formation and here comes a reminder with an image keep it simple they're doing the same thing we discussed monday morning obviously until they're not we're just re-emphasizing the fact that this is a bull flaggish kind of formation. They go back and forth, but at the end of the day, what they're actually doing is positioning for another move or a continuation move higher, moving right along. And you'll see as we go into the end of the day, the market was quiet most of the day, not a lot of activity. The volume was extremely light. And by the way, what about stocks on the move? Well, before we get to that, the 4 p.m. post, they did the thing right into the end of the day. The jam session, what thing? 3.30.06, that's the big fat round number, 3.30. And by the way, I did get a lot of emails at the closing bell because a lot of traders were watching them do the thing into the end of the day. It's pretty cool stuff sometimes, isn't it? How about stocks on the move? We had six opportunities on the board. As you can see, four say yes to entry hit. Let's take a look at those four charts see what happened let's go over the good the bad and the ugly first order of business virgin galactic spce space you saw the number on the board twenty dollars and 71 cents what was the low at 945 twenty dollars and 71 cents lo and behold traders got filled at that number so it didn't even have to go below in order to get filled at the number and guess what here comes your rocket ride, a high of 2170. For argument's sake, we'll call it a buck. What's a buck on about 20 bucks? It's about 5% in minutes. How you doing? Second one on the list, Diageo. This one happened late in the end of the day. This isn't the type of trade that's really the same trade as if they came down early in the morning and had that rocket ride. This one's a creep lower, a drip lower. It's riding over the number. It looks like it wants to go to another destination. Looks like it was stopping off for a cup of coffee up here, going somewhere else. So we don't want this type of trade at the end of the day. This isn't the primo type of trade. However, what's the takeaway? It still worked anyway. The numbers work. Here's a 15-minute chart, and the ideal situation is 
on this gap down for it to come into the number in the first 15, 20, 30, 45 minutes of the trading day. Not to say it doesn't work later on, but look what happened. You basically traded right over the number after coming close too many times, then it finally gets the number and then has a bounce. That's not the trade we're looking for, but the takeaway is the number worked anyway. AIG, not the ideal trade, but here's what happened. Half at the first number, half at the second number, average in between. I actually, and if you read the notes, I posted the fact that I got out with a small gain on this one when it popped up, not because I knew they were going to come back down or anything. I didn't want to sit there anymore. Had a nice trade in space, had a nice trade in the SPY, didn't need any more aggravation from AIG. The takeaway, and you may have not seen, but the stop on AIG happened to be $29.75. That's not a hard stop. It's based on an hourly close. So look what happened. At 9.50 in the morning, nowhere near the close of the first hour, the low was 29.73. Why do I point this out? Because the stops are meaningful. I'm not picking a number out of a hat and saying, eh, the stop's about a buck. That's not the way it works. I'm putting the stop in an area where the market shouldn't close hourly below. If it does, then I was wrong in the whole trade. Fine, I can accept that. But running a test of an important number, bouncing off that number, is added evidence that that stop wasn't going to happen at least early on. So net-net, for me, it was a bunt for base hit. Technically speaking, it worked. Not what we're looking for, but it worked. RL. Here's another one of those situations where they came too close. The low was 64.15 against 64.10. Why does this happen? Too many front runners. Therefore, I don't want the trade when they come too close and bounce away. Look where the bounce went up to. Already at a high of 65.57, so it was almost a buck and a half. Then they came back, did the number, and then took off. So again, not the ideal trade in the manner in which they did it, Focus on the numbers. We do this over and over and over again. They're not all picture perfect, but understand and focus on what we're actually doing. Stocks are gapping up or down in the morning. They have a destination. We find the destination at the destination. They're either going to hang out for a cup of coffee and go on to another destination or have a quick turnaround and go back in the other direction. As long as you have the destination right, you're generally going to have positive trades. Period. Full stop. What's going on in Camp IWM? Do we have any new information? They're above 150. It's not a magic number. They're doing the thing that we discussed. They're headed toward 153, give or take. No change. They're just doing the thing. Second favorite market leading indicator. What's A number one? The IWM. We just looked at it. Now, the transports. Any change? No. Are they doing anything different than we've discussed? No. Are they my A number one canary in the coal mine? Absolutely. So far, we have a bullish chart in the IWM. We have a bullish chart in the transports. We have a bullish chart in the SPY. We have a bullish chart in the Qs. We didn't need that line anymore. That was over. And so with all these bullish charts, we have to say, okay, the duck, again with the duck, but yes, the duck, if it walks like a duck, talks like a duck, all these bullish charts are saying what? That higher prices are the probability going forward. What would derail that? Black swan event overnight, something overnight that you wake up, the market's getting hit, not hit like this morning, not 
10 points or something like that in the S&P 500, you got to have a character change in the market. Until and unless that happens, the duck is pointed higher. Instead of worried, and that's where the wall of worry comes in, right? The market's always climbing the wall of worry. Instead of being worried about what can happen, what might happen, what the market should be doing, what the economy really should be doing, all that stuff. Instead of that, just take everything at face value and guess what? If you do that and you just go with the duck 100% of the time, you're going to be right the majority of the time. Why? Because the majority of the time, the market is doing the thing that it looks like it's going to do. What about the financials? So they weren't up today. They were down another half a percent. So it's interesting. They're above the moving averages, at least the 20 and the 50 that they're riding and the 100 is below. So they have one moving average above. They're riding these moving averages, but they're not really participating in the rally. Remember, this is a warning sign type of chart. This is not a healthy chart. This is not going anywhere, even if we go a little higher, even if they did get into these moving averages that we've discussed about before. This is still a chart that has severe damage and there's lower prices coming over the longer term. The financials are a pretty good tell of what the economy is doing long term. This is an ugly weekly chart. This is a lower high situation, high, lower high. You got trouble in the financials longer term. Doesn't mean they can't come up here and if and when they do, if they're doing that, the whole market is bullish. That's what's happening at the time. Doesn't mean that it's a complete repair job in the XLF weekly chart. A little bit of struggling going on. Puzzle piece on the table, XLF. Smash Mouth, any trouble here? Other than the fact that they'll shortly be overextended once again for the hundredth time, how do we measure overextended? You can't. That's why I hate that term, overbought, oversold. There really is no such thing. Even though the market does get overbought and oversold, we can't really identify a measurement to say when it is, when it's not, how much, and how much is enough. Hence, the market can go a lot higher or lower than most traders ever believe that it can at the time, in real time. But all that being said, it's bullish. There's nothing wrong with the SMH. Take it at face value, it's another duck. Have I told you how much I appreciate each and every one of you and that without you, these videos are not possible? True and accurate information. We're going to pull the ripcord here today. I'm David Frost, my strategic forecast. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis. My Strategic Forecast is hosted by David Frost. Subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast app. And please visit MyStrategicForecast.com for more information. My Strategic Forecast is common sense market analysis.